Hello, welcome to the Gab and Jules show. No Gab today because he's already in Istanbul for the Champions League final. I'm going tomorrow morning. And instead, I've got Sure Robson with me here in the studio. Welcome. Thank you for for you last week. Now it's uh, in for <laughs> exactly. Gab. Yeah. Where were you last week? Oh, I was on holidays. Oh, know, dear. Disneyland or somewhere exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Which was lovely, by the way. Gab will join us in a little bit to talk mm. about the Champions League final, to preview yeah. it all together. We will look at the two managers. We will look at the tactics, how you think the game would go. But it's a big show because Leo Messi has decided to go to MLS mm. and into Miami, which is huge news, of course. We've got Jude Bellingham going to Real Madrid, yep. Alexis McAllister going to Liverpool. So loads of transfer things, a lot to talk about. But really, we can only start for the Champions League final and, and have a look at it. Gab, thank you for joining us from, um, from Istanbul. We'll start with you just before hearing what, what Robo thinks. But what's the, what's the vibe now that you are in the city? What... What's your feeling about that final uh, and how do you see it going tactically? Wow. Uh, so Istanbul is ever lovely. Um, I, I love the fact you're in the center of town and, you know, you can actually literally walk to Asia. Um, but anyway, I'm sure you're not here for the travel. You're here for the game. Uh, <laughs> like I obviously I'm stating the obvious Manchester City heavily favored, but I'm going to go on a limb and suggest that City, I think, have only won 43 of 61 games this season, and most of them against opponents uh, uh, that are weaker than, than than Inter. So you still have to play the game. I think one of the, I think two big themes for me at least. One uh, is the obvious one playing against the front two uh, of um, of Jeco and Lautaro, or possibly Lukaku and Lautaro, which City are unaccustomed to. Uh, another one set pieces. Shalanoglu, uh, Lautaro, they have a bunch of people who can who can hit them and instead of good size as well. And finally, on the pitch, Fede Di Marco. If he has a big game, if he has a game like Rico Henry had for Brentford uh, against uh, Manchester City when they played back in October uh, up against Bernardo Silva, uh, that could potentially be uh, a game changer. These are the things Inzaghi has to hang on to. Robo, City favourite, huge favourite. Not so huge favourite. Where where would you place them? I would say huge favourites. Uh, I've watched Man City a couple of times very closely in the game against Real Madrid at the Etihad and in the Cup final. And the way they're playing at the moment with a, it's almost like a boxing midfield with Stones. You know, he's not playing as a centre back. He's playing as a midfield player next to Rodri, and then De Bruyne and Gundogan playing higher up the field. The more I look, I've, I've looked at all the systems that Inter could play, and they're only going to play with the same system. Yeah. How do they stop? Man City dominating the game and I can't see how they do that it means they're going to have to defend very well as a back five they're going to have to defend very well in front of uh, or in, in against De Bruyne and Gundogan but they're going to almost say to Man City well you're going to have loads of the ball can you break us mm. down and then it's a case of can they counter that and as Gab just said can they get a set play where Chalalonu delivers a good ball into the box and one of the centre halves gets on the end of it that's, that's their biggest threat I can't see them having anything more than about 30% possession well, I mean, there's another com- component here is the fact that Inter will play with a back five. Yeah. Gab mentioned the Brentford games where they mm-hmm. played the two, the two wins in the league with a back five. And we know that the City team explodes very well. The half spaces, for example, those sort of runs that you make kind of mm-hmm. in between the, the centre of the pitch and the two wingers. And with a back five, there's obviously less space. So, but, but they're going to have to be brave, Inter. They're going to have to say, in my view, we're not going to pick up De Bruyne so much and Gundogan so much. Let them run on to Damian, yeah. let, let Gundogan run on to Damian and let uh, De Bruyne run on to Bastoni yeah. and there's got to be good communication between him uh, and, and, or those two centre-halves and, and the midfield yeah, players, yeah, you know, the, the like yeah. Mkhitaryan if he's playing and Barella, you know, so, so they can go and push on and stop Rodri and Stones dominating the game. And Gab said they're playing with two up front, but he's going to be against the back three. And Diaz will probably be the player that, as we've seen him do, he comes out, he almost stops with the ball, he waits and waits, drags players to him, and then plays to either Walker or Ake or Akanji, who's ever going to play on the left-hand side. Yeah. So I still don't see how Inter are going to get great, a great deal of possession. But, but Gabby, isn't the, the back five maybe the best system to beat this City team? I think on paper, because he's just unaccustomed to it. I think um, Erling Haaland's record against back fives, not great either so uh that plays into it um so i I think that will that will make an adjustment i mean we'll see how 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 inter cope against city's press we'll see if 
if City end up pressing, because, you know, you do have the threat of the counterattack, counterattacking um, or, or stopping a counterattack when you've got one guy coming from wide and one guy through the middle is very different than doing it against against two guys playing kick balls around quick balls around the corner and whatnot. So I wouldn't take it for granted that City are going to go and press and have 80 percent possession. That's one tactic that Pep can uh, can employ. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point as well. Yeah, but also I would say the are we saying, and I think this would be a mistake by it, if they say Dumfries, you go and pick up Grealish, who plays high and wide on the on the left hand side, mm. and DiMarco, who Gaz mentioned, marking uh, Bernardo Silva and staying really deep because Bernardo Silva pushes up on that side of the field. That leaves their counter attacking players to be Jeco and Martinez yeah. and Barella a little bit. Yeah. You want Dumfries being one of the counter attacking players. You want DiMarco being one of the counter attacking players. Because you want to also force Bernardo Silva and Grealish to defend so, so that's why the wide centre halves have got some big problems you yeah. know I'm talking about Bastoni and Damian they've got decisions to make do I allow Dumfries to go forward you know, don't, don't worry you go forward I'll pick up there or do they worry about Gundogan making runs down the side and do you want to leave a Cherby 1v1 against Haaland I'm no, not sure you do. Yeah. So there's everywhere I look on the field, and I've looked at it over the last couple of days, how would I set up if I was in Zaghi? I'm struggling to find a way. Right, let's continue a bit the, um, the tactical analysis and preview of the, of the final. Stu, imagine that you are Pep, and mm. we know that Pep in the past, is, we've all said it, kind of overthinking a little bit and going with no six against mm. Chelsea in the final, going some crazy stuff there and there at times. But this time, it seems that he's found this the, the best team. That you mentioned mm. the little box in midfield, the five defenders, mm. the five attackers, all of that. You don't expect any surprises this time. You think that this is going to be the team that starts the final? Uh, I think so. Uh, I think that would be the shape as well. I can't see any reason why he'd want to change it at the moment. They're playing uh, top-quality football. Mm. They're very difficult to, to stop playing and stop uh, getting possession. They can always find a spare player somewhere on the field. So I don't think he'll change that at all. He'll go with the same side. We, we, you could have the discussion about Bernardo Silva or Mares. Mares, yeah. who scored a hat-trick in the semi-final of the FA Cup and on occasions has been fantastic. But I think he'll stick with Bernardo Silva. So we're talking Edison in goal, obviously. Yeah. And then Walker, Walker. Diaz. I suppose the other one is... is Akanji or Ake, maybe? Yeah, that, that, I, I would go with Ake, to be honest. You have a left yeah. footer on the left-hand side. Yeah. yeah, I would have a left foot on the left-hand side because if he needs to go out to left-back, he can defend out there just as well. Kanji's OK out there, but Ake, I think, uh, over the course of the last year, has been a better player. Then Stones, Rodri, Gundogan, the one we said, yeah. Grealish, Haaland and... and yeah, and, uh, and Haaland right through the middle, yeah. Gabi, is that you... You, you think the same or do you think that Pep maybe, I mean, he's been asked the question a million times, could he come up with something like Rodri in goal or, you know, Walker as a number nine instead of Haaland? It's funny because he was asked specifically about the decision to take out Rodri uh, in that final against Chelsea, right? And, and look, I don't think he likes these questions. And you know my view on it, right? I don't think it's overthinking. I think it's thinking. You know, we can't have it both ways. We can't praise him for being clever when he does something new like the back three and then say, oh, look, you're overthinking when it doesn't work. Um, and he said something which I thought, you know, at some point is a bit underreported. He said, you know, we had a very good reason for not starting Rodri. Uh, I am paraphrasing here. Um, and it's not. And if I were to tell you the reason, you would agree with me. So I don't know if there was some mystery there that we don't know about. Um, but no, I, I I would I would agree that's it. Um, I personally, I do wonder a little bit about Ederson. You know my views on him um, and the kind of season he's had. I'm wondering if there's a, a hint in the fact that, you know, um, Ortega's played a little, quite a, a little bit in goal, uh, obviously in the cup final, and I believe in one of the two games, if not both games, towards the end of the season. Uh, so I just wonder a little bit whether Ederson might be slightly affected by something or maybe by not having played in a couple of weeks, but not a huge deal. Otherwise, you're right. I, I think there's a potential Bernardo Silva uh, issue. I think Ake is probably a better fit to stop Denzel Dumfries um, because he's left-footed and because he's probably more athletic than uh, than Akanji. But I mean, to me, that's pretty much pretty much a toss-up. Mm. I mean, we've seen, we, we mentioned Stones and that incredible transformation, let's be mm. honest here, because at mm. the start of the season, nobody, neither of us could have thought that 
towards the end, it would be this wonderful midfielder mm. that clearly mm. brings a lot of balance and control mm. to the team. But we've also seen a bit against Bayern Munich, for example, and Real Madrid in the first leg, where he was a bit hybrid. So mm. there was the midfielder in mm. him when City had the ball, so he could offer another option to yep. the guy on the ball. And also when they lost the ball, to come back and play next to Diaz and then to go back to a back four. I guess against the front two that Gabby was mentioning mm. before, which is very unusual, and City haven't faced many from two really this season not many teams mm. in the Premier League play like that maybe there's also that option because you're right lately we've seen Stones as a midfielder with the ball without the, the ball start to finish he was still going to a back four from goal kicks and things like yeah, that yeah, so okay. when the goalkeeper might yeah. be thinking about going long up to uh, Dzeko or, or Lukaku whoever's playing and he, Martinez will try and run off the back of him that's when he goes into a back four so he plays as a normal centre but as soon as they win back possession he steps into midfield and the thing that he's done brilliantly is because sometimes he's been a spare player. He hasn't stopped. Yeah. He hasn't stayed in midfield and said, right, I'm going to pass it square and that, that's my job done. He carries on making mm. the forward runs. He's making runs that Kevin De Bruyne... Has, yeah, when Kevin De Bruyne space, goes yeah. wide, he keeps going in and, uh, further and further. And Rodri's been doing the same. So they have to be very aware, Inter Milan, of the movement of Stones and Rodri. They can't allow them the freedom of the park as Real Madrid did at the Etihad. And yeah. at times, Manchester United did at the FA Cup final. I agree. For, for Inter, Gabby... Um, where do you stand on the Jeko Lukaku discussion? Is it really th- that obvious that Jeko is going to start up front with Lautaro because Jeko has played the big games and clearly Inzaghi likes that partnership? Or the fact that Lukaku has come back into form really towards this end of the season where, let's not forget, Inter mm-hmm. have won 11 of the last 12 games. So yeah. they're in really, really good form and Lukaku is in good form as well. Would you be tempted to start Lukaku with Lautaro if you were Inzaghi? I would be tempted. I don't think Inzaghi will be. I, I, I think certainly the buzz is that it's going to be Dzeko. Um, And I think part of it is there's another element that comes into play. Um, Inzaghi is famous for his program substitutions and really exploiting the five substitutes more than anybody. And in fact, there's a big contrast with, with Pep here because Pep rarely uses all five. In fact, he often just uses one or two, if that. Um, so I think the idea of having a fresh, big, strong, fast Lukaku coming on uh, at the hour mark when, you know, obviously it depends how the game goes to that point. I mean, Inter could be 4-0 down and it's not going to make much of a difference. But but if the game is close, if Inter's still in the game, all of a sudden you've got a serious change of pace um, to deal with in terms of, of City's defenders because Jaco is obviously a lot more static, a lot more stationary uh, than Lukaku is. I think both are very, very intelligent, very uh, unselfish players. So I think he likes that options of chucking Lukaku uh, in there, hopefully at a point in the game when um, the the City defenders are going to be a little bit uh, a little bit more fatigued. Jaco or Lukaku? Um... <sighs> Lukaku is more dangerous than Dzeko. Dzeko is a hold-up player, and I think that's what Inzaghi wants in the side to start with. And you, you talked about Ivan Tony um, beforehand about when they played against Brentford. He was the target man. Mm. He held the play up, and then players could run off, off off the back of him. So that's why he will probably start. I just hope Inzaghi doesn't leave it too late to bring on Lukaku and make those substitutions that Gabby right, was yeah. talking about. In case, you know, if they're 2-0 down and the game's gone, it's no good then bringing Lukaku on after 65 minutes because he's not going to change the game. You might have to bring him on at half-time. And, of course, Brozovic will come on into midfield probably and Mkhitaryan will go off and Chananolu will play higher up the field. The same substitutions are made week in, week yeah, out for Inter. Pretty much. We probably will see Gosens play at some point halfway through the second half and come on for Di Marco. That's been the case in most mm. of the games I've seen this season. So... Yeah, I would go with Dzeko to start with and Lukaku probably after 60 minutes. It's a big game, Gabby, for both Pep and Inzaghi, really. I mean, Inzaghi, remember when Inter were really going through that bad patch in results. In terms of numbers and the expected goals and things like that, they were still doing OK, but they were still not, they were not winning. And there was a time where we even thought that he might not finish the season. And now he's in the Champions League final. They've won already... The two cups, uh, the cup and the super cup in Italy. So this is, a, as you mentioned on Monday, a potential treble, their own treble, if you want. But but this is, I, I mean, I don't want to say the question: Is this game more important to Pep or to Inzaghi because it's a Champions League final and mm. it's important for everybody? This is not the the question. But but Pep has been there before. He's won some, he's lost some, of course. For Inzaghi, this is this is something quite special. I know for all his career as a as a player, mm. he was in the shadow of his brother who was better than him and won more things than him etc etc 
I mean, you know, no, but he was better in the sense that he won more things than, yes, yeah. than, than his brother than there was far more successful. Yeah, exactly. Won. So this is huge as well. It's huge for him personally, for the criticism that he received earlier in the season, for what he's been doing with his interside. You know, so where where do you see this kind of the approach of that final from a Pep point of view and from an Inzaghi point of view. And then Robo, I'll ask you the same mm. for you as a mm. former uh, as a former coach and manager. I mean, look, I, I think this game is bigger for Pep. Uh, I know he's obviously been there, done done it. He's got nothing to prove. But, you know, in his head, he said so himself. There's going to be something missing if City don't win the Champions League. The reality is he hasn't won a Champions League in 10 years and he's had the teams to do it. The reality is he's never won a Champions League without Lionel Messi. It doesn't diminish him. But he's the one who brings us up. He's the one who talked about this pressure that's on himself. If you're Simone Inzaghi, you're playing with house money because you are, his whole life has been, I am the underdog here. You know, he was a far more talented player than his brother. But people said, oh, look, his brother, people is, uh, oh, he's hungrier. He's more, he's more edgy. Simone is always like, was always like, you know, sort of the good younger brother who liked to please and, People think he's soft. He, he said so himself. He's like, don't mistake my politeness for stupidity. Uh, he's polite. Um, so he's already proved a ton by getting where they are. Let's not forget, you know, Inter are perpetually flirting with insolvency year after year. You know, let's not forget who's on this team. It's a bunch of uh, it's it's a bunch of free transfers. It's a bunch of players who either other teams didn't want. Uh, yes, you have a sprinkling of. I think superstars and I think for me Bastoni is a superstar for for a defender. I think Barella can be a superstar, uh, but you know there aren't too many others like that. Uh, and you know this is this is an underdog story. So clearly the game is going to be bigger. Uh, I think for Pat because there's simply a ton more expectation. Um, Inter have already won their season in terms of achievement. Simone Inzaghi certainly has when he had so many people. Uh, doubting him um, so I don't know if that answers your question but for me no no no, no it is because do you do you agree do you think Absolutely. the pressure is more on Pep because this time they're so close I mean when they lost to Chelsea they had lost to Chelsea before in the season we knew that Tuchel mm. was a bit of a like a, they were a bit of a buggy not a buggy yeah. team but you know they've come across each yeah. other in Germany as well and took yeah exactly there and this it. time they are so hugely favourite everybody yeah. really give them winners mm. nobody sees Inter and so they're much. playing really well at the yeah. moment they're, True. they're, they're, they're looking like well. a, a top, top class side that performance against Real Madrid was magnificent mm. at the Etihad so there's a lot more pressure on Pep Guardiola and as Gab said he's putting pressure on himself as well he wants to win the European uh, the Champions League for Manchester City to say that you know this is I've developed this club from, of course, with lots of money, but I've developed this club from where they were to being the champions of Europe. As for Inzaghi, when we did the, I commentated on the first leg uh, when they went to Benfica, he was under massive yeah, pressure going shoots. into that game. If he'd have lost that game, I, I Gab might disagree, but I thought he would have lost his job. He was under so much pressure. I think they'd lost five out of the last six, or they'd been, they were on a terrible yeah. run. He gets a good result away at Benfica, and from that moment on, they've been. A very good side. Can they carry it on into the final against Man City? I just think there'll be a little bit too much fear about Inter when they when they come up against City. So we mentioned on Monday when we when we looked into the, the FA Cup final that Erling Haaland still didn't score in that game. No. It's, it's, I think it's five games in a row. Mm. One goal in, in his la, in his last eight mm. in all competitions. Some games that he only came on, he didn't mm. start. They were no all starters. Gab is not worried. I'm not too worried either, to be fair. No. But this is still the longest draw, one of the longest draws we looked. In his career, like mm. certainly from the Dortmund years, I'm not sure Salzburg, mm. but Salzburg he was mm. scoring so much. So, is it? Do you think that he will he will think about it in his head? This is the biggest mm. game of his career. This is the biggest game of many of those players play, players' career. Or do you think he's he's such a machine in a way that he actually doesn't care? That I, 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 he'll, he'll care that he hasn't been scoring, but he knows that another chance will come his way. He, he, he will probably take it. But what? we haven't said is that you know when I was again looking at back at how they, the opposition can play against this Man City team even though he's not scoring goals and he doesn't have that many touches of the ball he continually takes two or three players hmm. Real Madrid stuck Tony Kroos in front of him and still had two centre-halves so they had three players against one almost which allowed Stones and Rodri to be completely free Manchester United had two centre-halves up against him you know, and, 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 and they then put their, their two holding centre-halves, centre-midfield players wide. So the ball was rolled into him. Yeah. 
But every time I think, can, can Darmian go out wide occasionally? Can Bastoni go out and be a fullback? I still think Haaland against the Cherby with a ball over the top. Uh, you know, as good as I, as good a <laughs> yeah, player as a Cherby is, been he's not going to match him for pace. And he only needs one little ball down the side and he's, he's away. So he's still playing his part without having that many touches, yeah. without scoring goals. He's still a key factor to the way Man City play. Gabi, Cherby against... Haaland, I mean, Achebe is one of the fairy tales of this final, considering he's beat cancer twice. Again, nobody would have expected him to be there starting a Champions League final at the start of the season. Where we saw Rudiger being very aggressive in the first leg against Haaland mm. with success. Mm. Uh, the, the second leg against Real Madrid, Haaland could have had a hat-trick, missed those chances as well. Where do you stand on this, on the Haaland situation, the debate and that, that matchup with Achebe? I like the idea that Achebe be beat cancer, so you know he can certainly beat Holland. Uh, <laughs> but like in reality, he's going to have you know he's going to have to use his entire toolbox uh, to stop him. I think he's going to get help. Um, I think the fact that he has a phenomenal athlete to one side of him in in Bastoni, and he has a very experienced player next to him in Darmian uh, is also going to help. Uh, I'm more concerned with the interplay uh, when when De Bruyne comes forward, and you know, because we talk about front, you know, front one, front two, but based on where De Bruyne has been playing all, all uh, of late, many times De Bruyne is right up there too, uh, or Gundogan. I think that's going to be the big threat um, against Inter's back three. And uh, if I can go back to the midfield, um, Inter, you know, obviously we. You know, Robbo said they're going to have 30% possession or wouldn't surprise us. Yeah, that could happen. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened. Equally, Inter's midfielders, uh, and this is a break from Inter sides of the past, there's no holding midfielder there. You've got all guys that can ball. You've got all guys that are comfortable. Yeah, I think the they can soak up the pressure, mm. to be fair. I agree. I, I, I think to some degree, you know, you imagine Mkhitaryan or the Bras. I don't, I mean, the Bras probably won't start, but these guys are good at keeping the ball. They're good at, you know, getting fouled as well, because when you press, you foul, um, alleviating the pressure. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Inzaghi tries to do that. Uh, you know, you can involve the center halves in that a little bit too, but Stoney's got uh, an incredible left foot. Uh, you don't want to be in a situation where you're just compressed in your box and City just keep pinging the ball around because sooner or later uh, they're going to score. That's not... That's not how Inter want to play. And I think Inzaghi knows they're not going to be successful uh, if they do that. Now, if you do try to keep the ball, obviously you open yourself up. There's more space behind for Holland to run into. And then, as you said, Holland versus a Chadby in a foot race, I'm not going to back a Chadby there. True, but Onana can be a really good sweeper keeper as well. So if you play, even don't have to play a super high line all the way to the half, halfway line. You've, you've just but upset you have, me. You've if just... you have a medium block, I mean, I'm, what I mean by that is mm. Onana is clever enough mm. To judge the danger, mm. he's good at the ball with his mm. feet. He's one of the best yeah, yeah. in terms of distribution. So I don't think they would play a super high line. No. But a medium block could be could be a decent option there yeah. with the back five. Because they're, not, they're certainly not going to press high up the field. You're not going to have Dzeko yeah. and Mar Martinez will probably drop onto Stones. That's how I think will happen. And Walker and Ake will be the spare players. Mm. And, and Dzeko will stay up against Diaz. Uh, so it's how they then cope with Walker coming forward with the ball and who goes to him first and who goes to Ake first mm. and who they leave so that you know then Man City can play from there. Uh, yeah, so I don't think it's going to be a, a, a certainly won't be a high press from from Inter. It could be a medium one, so that they they're really compact in midfield and they sort of almost say, yeah, try and play the ball over the top. Yeah. You just said, and Nana will be on a good starting position, and, and Bastoni and, and and Damian Damian's quite quick as well. They can be ready for that, and Acherbi gets tight to Haaland to to almost yeah. win balls played into his feet. It, but if you do that, if you it's still you're still talking about playing three players against one yeah, centre course, forward, of and then you've got spare players elsewhere on the pitch. But defensively, we know that Inter. And just before you go, defensively, we know that Inter will have it has to be a masterclass if they want to oh, win. You know, even if they defend the, the decision making, well, the decision making, the talking, the understanding between each section of the team has to be right. When does Darmian allow Dumfries to go on and say, "I'm going to go out and defend Greenwich"? Yeah. Yeah. When does he say to one of the midfield players, "Let"? Gundogan come on to me because I'm spare, so he's going to come run on to me. They're the decisions, and they have to get right 95% of the time. Yeah. Gabby, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to add, uh, I mean, you mentioned there, you know, at some point you have to pick your poison, right? You can't match up with everybody all the time. If, 
as Robbo suggested, Walker and, and Ake or Akanji, if he plays, if they're the spare players with the ball, you know, and they bring the ball forward, if I'm in Zagi, you know what? I can live with that. They're not as technically gifted as some of the other players on this city team who can who can hurt me. Um, I think you also have to make some decisions, maybe based on form. Uh, I don't think Grealish, for example, who's, who's been exceptional this season, I don't think he was great in the FA Cup final. Um, you know, leaving aside the whole penalty incident that he wasn't happy with. You know, is there something that you can do that, that you can do there? You know, do you do you maybe actually leave Dumfries with them? Gab, the best thing that Inzaghi can do is make Man City as predictable as possible. That's the that's the art of good defending when you're playing against a better yeah. team. Make them predictable. Make them so you know where the attacks are going to come from. So from the from when, when the goalkeeper gets the ball, you sort of uh, they could go on half of one side of the field. Mm-hmm. So throw it out to Ake, but we're not going to let Ake play it in field. Yeah. He's got to play it to Grealish. Now we'll lock Grealish in. Yeah, with his and back to goal. With, with his back to turn. goal, and he's got to go back to Ake. Mm. So we're defending a very small area of the field, and we know where the attacks are coming. That has to be in Zaghi's yeah, plan at some point, to make Man City as predictable as possible. If they allow balls to go into Rodri and Stone, they can go anywhere with their passes. Yeah. They can go into the front, they can go wide down the left, wide down the right. There's no defending it. Mm. Right, just to finish, boys... Um, nine teams in the history of, of football have mm-hmm. done the treble. So the, the Champions League or the European Cup before the Champions League, the league and the, the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Celtic in 67, by the way, who also did the yeah. quadruple, the only team. Ajax in 72, PSV Eindhoven in 88, Manchester United, of course, in 99, mm-hmm. the only English club mm-hmm. to have done it. Barcelona 09 with Pep, of course, and 15 with Luis Enrique. Inter, the Mourinho team, of course, in 2010. Uh, Gabby, remember, and then Bayern twice in 13 and and 2020. City obviously just need mm. this final. They've already won the league and the and the FA Cup. Would this be? I mean, this would be an amazing achievement, as yeah. you can tell. Not many teams have done it in the history of of the the Champions League uh, since the 50s. Would this be Pep' greatest achievement? And would this make this City team maybe the greatest that we've seen in English football history? Ooh. Um, the Liverpool team of the 80s were fantastic and they were winning European Cups. But no uh, trebles. But no trebles and they were winning the league and they always sort of fell at the FA Cup, yeah. whatever it was. Um, Man City, if, if, you're, if you're a manager playing against Man City, they must be the hardest team to plan against. You look at it and think, we could be beaten so easily here if we don't get everything right. And I don't think there's ever been a team that other managers will be frightened of you could go to Man City and lose 7-0 if you don't get your tactics right yeah. and, and so managers and if you don't get your tactics right at home with your pressing whatever you're doing you could be embarrassed and not have any more than 20% in front of your own fans so in that terms if they won the Champions League I think they would be as good as anybody that's played uh, in, in English football Gab what do you think? I mean look I mean, leaving aside the obvious thing that teams in the present are generally always better than teams in the past just because the game has changed and is more global yeah uh it would certainly be it would certainly be a tremendous achievement i'm not sure this is pep's greatest team um i think his barcelona side for me yeah but you had messi in the barcelona side so you know exactly. surely a team like this city team which is collectively has to be better because you don't have messi in it no, but I think that team would beat this team. I mean, well, we can talk about the press all day. Look, it's a fun talking point, but I could see Xavi and Iniesta just and Dani Alves just passing the ball around the, this press all day long, and then Messi invents uh, out of nowhere. And you know, I we we want to go back. You know, it's we'll never know, right? And we don't have a time machine. Yeah. Look, we're obviously never going to know uh, whether his team would be his his city team it is a fun talking point that you can debate uh i think endlessly um but i think with city there's two other considerations we have to make um one which city fans won't like and one that they will like one we know that they are under uh investigation by the premier league they've been under investigation um by uefa you know the outcome of that you know that they breached before and accepted a settlement um you know that is a that is a matter of fact. That is a matter of record. Uh, equally, though, this idea that the city team are successful because you know they they've outspent everybody and whatever, it's kind of nonsense. Um, you know, this city team broke even in the transfer window. 
uh, last summer. In fact, I think they made a small profit. Uh, this city team over the last four years, I think they have a net spend of 140 million, round about 35 million euros a season, which is not a lot. Uh, this city team, most tellingly, they have the sixth highest wage bill in Europe. So the European football is not a fair fight. There are 10 teams, 12 teams that have far more resources than everybody else, and they have far more resources than Inter. Great. But compared to their peers, compared to the other teams that spend all this money and that have these massive wage bills and have these massive resources, Pep has taken those resources and done a better job with them, Pep and really City as a unit, and done a better job with them over the last three, four years uh, than any of his peer teams. Because there's no point comparing City with 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 with, with Inter or or with uh, with Monaco or with why or, Monaco? Well, I'm trying to think <laughs> <laughs> team that's beaten them in the past. No, right or or, or, or Betis or or whatever. Right? Compare them to their peers. Compare them to the big spenders. Compare them to Paris Saint Germain. Compare them to Manchester United. Compare them to Chelsea. Compare them to Liverpool. These are City's peers. And they have done much more with those resources than the others have done. So I think a lot of praise has to go to Pep. A lot of praise has to go with to the club for what they've done to those resources. And then investigators will determine how they got those resources, whether it was fair that they played with those resources and so on. That's a whole separate issue. But it's not like they have you know two or three times the resources of the competition uh, and that's why they win. Although, of course, they do have two or three times, if not five times, the resources of Inter right now. But, you know, globally, this feat will remain regardless whether they win or lose on Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, enough Champions League final. Mm. We talked a lot about it, Robo. The other big news, of course, big talking point this week is that Leo Messi has decided to join MLS yep. and into Miami. Not a return to Barcelona. We'll explain why. Not to go to Saudi Arabia. He obviously left PSG as well. What, how important, how big? I mean, I know it's a, it's a silly question because it's huge, but for MLS and into Miami, what does this mean really for soccer over there in the US? It's great because he's still current you know yeah. he's just won the world cup you know he's been an outstanding player uh, he's not quite as athletic as he once was he can't dominate games as he once did but he's still a, a magnificent player whereas a lot of the players that have gone to mls have been past way way past mm. their best you know think of bastian schweinsteiger when he went there i mean he's a shadow of the player that we'd seen yeah. for germany and bayern munich he played as a sweeper for chicago and almost couldn't run around Messi's not going to do a lot of work off the ball, but he'll still have that change of pace. He'll still have the ability to pick a pass out. He'll still score goals. And the excitement uh, in Miami and wherever he goes will be magnificent. It's, I think it's great for MLS. It's amazing for the league. It's not completely done yet. They're just, I think, doing the final details. And yeah. it's a huge contract, obviously, where we know that some sponsors are involved. Mm. We know that... Jorge Mas, who owns Inter Miami with mm. David Beckham, was heavily involved. He's a friend of the Messi family, mm. him and his brother. So, in a way, this makes sense. Messi has already his own place in Miami. It's a place where they, him and his family go on holidays a lot. So, all of that makes sense. Obviously, Barcelona and I think Messi wanted a reunion. Mm. Messi's father said that as early as this week. The problem was that Messi didn't want to be waiting all summer to see when Barca would be okay to sign him and register him and you know make a proper offer because we know that financially mm. it's difficult for Barcelona that they would have to sell players to mm. reduce their wage bill in order mm. to bring back Messi to the club. So I can understand his point of view. You've been a player before. You don't want mm. to wait until the last days of August, no. even as a free agent, before knowing where you're going to play next season, right? Yeah, and I think I'd have been disappointed if he'd have gone back to Barcelona because I don't think it'd have had the impact at Barcelona that he had before. Yeah. I think it messes up to, cert to a certain degree Xavi's 
uh, the way he's trying to get the team to play and some of the players that have done quite well. It'll be all changed again. They've just won La Liga. Uh, yeah, they've got to make changes. They're going to have to sell one or two players. But I think it's right that he doesn't go back to Barca. What do they say? Never, never go back. Yeah, and I think I that's the right thing. I don't think it would have been the same impact. And to be fair, I think Xavi really wanted him mm. and they're very close friends. Mm. I'm not sure Laporta was really that sincere when he was saying no. that he wanted him back at the club. And it was a very difficult, complicated deal to make happen. And even Messi in the interviews mm. that he gave to Mundo Deportivo and Sport yesterday was saying on, on Wednesday... I would have loved to go back, but there was too many things missing, mm. and I, I, you know, I wanted mm. to be in control of my own future, not yeah. wait on people or players to mm. take a pay cut or leave the club, etc. Which I think is, mm. it's really fair from him. Yeah. No Saudi Arabia. I think Messi's dad really wanted and wanted them to go to Saudi Arabia. It would have been the biggest contract ever for not just a footballer but any sportsman. Mm. A, a billion dollars over two years, something crazy. Mm. I think Messi and his wife and the kids never saw themselves in no. in Saudi Arabia no. in Riyadh. And again, because he's got home just, in Miami, isn't he? Yeah, he's got home in Miami, and I think that's very respectful too. Let's see, let's see what happens. Obviously, for Messi, in, I just in, hope when he I goes, mean, when he goes there, he still wants to be the great player. Yeah, you know that that's been the problem with a lot of players that have gone to MLS. They they go there thinking, oh, I'll be able to stroll around and it'll be easy. MLS isn't easy to play and there's different temperatures true, you've true. got a lot of travelling and there's some athletic players in it yeah 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 and the players that it's have done really well league. have gone there wanting to be the best like Jovinko when he went, he went yeah. from, from Italy Serie A to there. He, he was a top class player for, for, for a couple of seasons others haven't been true what I would say is that Inter had the worst team in the league I mean mm. one of the worst mm. they the they bottom of the mm. of the East Conference they've just sacked their manager Phil Neville I th- we think that Tata Martino is coming to be the mm. new coach he obviously has MLS experience yeah. before and, and really good yeah. and he's worked with Messi at Barcelona albeit for just one season that was not a great season but still they they have a link together yeah. that could be good but to the point that you can be the greatest of all time like mm. he is you're still quite dependent on the players around yeah, you yeah. so it's easier with Mbappé or Luis Suarez yeah. to be good than with some of the Inter Miami players particularly right? if you're an attacking player if you're maybe a midfield player you can still affect the game when you're not playing in the best team but if you're an attacking player that wants to get on the ball and your team aren't getting the ball to you yeah. then you've got a problem I just, I just hope is a success and it's a, a success for MLS because it needs it yeah I agree with you well let's see Whenever Messi plays, makes his debut for Inter Miami when the whole deal is completed, then I think you we and can, I will go to Miami. Yeah, 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 let's go. We love Miami as well. Right, enough Messi now. What about some quickies, Robo? Let's go, Jules. West Ham, one of your former clubs, of mm. course, won the Europa Conference League on Wednesday night, beating Fiorentina mm. in Prague. It's their first trophy in 43 years. Yeah, they beat West. Uh, they beat Arsenal, didn't they, in the FA Cup yeah. in the early 80s? Uh, yeah, 1980. Which, uh, yeah, Trevor Brooking with the header. Exactly. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it was a great performance. I wouldn't say it was a great final, but... David Moyes did what David Moyes has done at West Ham over exactly. the last couple of years. They defended deeply. They were outplayed in the first half, but they found some way to score a couple of goals. Uh, the second one was a good one from Bowen. The first yeah. one, it was handball. There's no question about it uh, by Biragi. Um, so great night for West Ham fans, although they didn't cover themselves in glory. Not so much. I mean, just before we, we, we talk about that, they... This is, I mean, I know that we can talk about the Europa League and the Europa mm. Conference League, which is another European Cup, but maybe not as followed as the Champions League. But you saw what it meant to, to the West Ham players, mm. to all the fans, the yeah. ones who travelled, the ones who stayed here, wherever you are as a West Ham fans. And this is, this is what I know, this is a way of making money for UEFA, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. There's, there are a lot of clubs there who we're not really interested in. I guess mm. I understand that. And the level is not as good as the Europa not. League or not even the Champions League. But... but it made it so relevant last night, yeah. right? When you watch and you watch all those scenes. Well, I live in. Well, I don't live yeah, in a lot East of West Ham fans. There's a lot of West Ham yeah. fans where I live. My friends are quite often West Ham fans. It meant everything to yeah, them. Yeah, it's, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, my, Son-in-law uh, has just had a baby. He left the baby with, with, <laughs> with my stepdaughter and he wanted to go and watch the football with his dad. And they had a great time. Yeah. Whether he got back in time to, for the baby, to feed the baby, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, it, for West Ham fans, it was a great night and a great occasion. Mm. And Declan Rice, the captain, obviously, who joined mm. the great captains of the past, of course, probably played his last game. I think David... He's been a top-class player. Yeah. He's been an excellent player for them. And I thought he'd have moved on earlier, but he, he's, he's been excellent. Yeah, amazing. The game was over 
overshadowed, however, and I just mentioned it, by mm. West Ham fans throwing projectiles at Fiorentina's Cristiano Biraghi. It's not good, is it? No, it's not good. And you know what? We, we all want games like that. I mean, any game, but especially the finals where your team is in it, everybody around the world is watching. You, you, you don't want your fans to act in a disgraceful way, really. And Beragi goes to take a corner. It happens that that corner was in the West Ham end where the fans were and they're starting throwing all the plastic glasses that you get in the stadium when you get a drink. And clearly... Uh, a lighter, is that what you say? I think, uh, yeah, a lighter has been put in one of the We saw the referee holding the Spanish yeah. referee, Hadi, and obviously quite a, a lot of bleed, a mm. lot of blood and bleeding from, from Biragi. It's not what you want to see. West Ham, and rightly so, have condemned it, come out saying that we will find the mm. culprits and who threw things and they will be banned for life, which is the right thing to do. But you, you kind of wish that that hadn't happened. You know, mm. it's such a great night for West Ham in their history. And now we will always remember the final and the win, but also that the fact that that night... A Fiorentina player was ended up bleeding because of. And I think there'll be. Uh, UEFA are certainly going to take some. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's so I mean, stupid. But if you only have to watch any game that you watch anywhere around yeah. the world. When somebody goes to take a corner, the abuse everywhere. they get. I know. Is Why do supporters want to I behave know. like that? I, I don't. I, I don't get it. So Said Ben Rama scored the first goal on the penalty. Jared Bowen, as we yeah. mentioned, the winning goal with a wonderful pass from from the Paqueta. Uh, they will take the plaudits for their goals, of course, but. Emerson Palmieri, the West Ham left-back, made history robo. He became the first player to won all the three current European trophies, the Champions League and the Europa League he did it with Chelsea, and now the Europa Conference League. It's pretty amazing. And that's Emerson. It's not, it's not Messi or Ronaldo. Yeah, and this is a player that struggles to get in everybody's team, exactly. wherever, wherever he's been. You know, <laughs> he, when, he was, when he was playing for the Italian team, you think, well, where's this chap? Yeah, because he won the Euros as well, yeah, of course. Yeah, and Because he couldn't Super get in any of the, the, the club sides. I mean, he's a good player. There's no question about it. I think he's, he's done a good job whenever he's played. He just doesn't... He's not, very rarely has he been the number one at any club he's been at. But... He's a decent player. Clearly and, and, at the right time at the right place. Yeah, and clearly. I thought he did well a good job last it. night. Yeah, well done. Yeah, his trophy cabinet is pretty good at home. Yeah. Uh, now, with Karen Benzema now in Saudi Arabia, there's some big shoes to fill in Madrid. Is Harry Kane the main target? Well, think? it's certainly the main target, Robo. I don't know if they will get him. I, I don't know how you negotiate a move like that with Daniel Levy. It depends, I think, a lot of his Spurs. With difficulty. Yeah. Yeah, and it, maybe Spurs would think, OK, we don't want to lose him in a year with mm. no transfer fee, so let's, let's, let's sell him now. Um, but certainly, I think they see him as the, the, the perfect replacement, I think, in terms of maybe status mm. and world-class talent, but also in terms of profile. Because yeah. if I was to ask you... Who is the closest number nine yeah. to Benzema in the way he plays? You yeah. would say that you would say Ken, I guess, right? Yeah, coming off the front, uh, linking up the play, um, because Benzema for Real Madrid over the last two years when I've seen him play, very rarely does he play through yeah. the middle. He goes out wide and links up with Vinicius Junior. He goes out wide the other side. He drops into midfield and then he makes runs into the box as the ball's crossed. He, he, yeah, he does it. He does it very, very well. And it would depend, I guess, as well if Kane wants to stay in England to beat Alan Shearer's mm. record, for example, which is, I think, what. A lot of people expect from him, which is fine. I think that if Real Madrid come for you, mm. whether you're 19 like Jude Bellingham mm. or 30 next month, like or later this month, like Harry Kane, you don't. I don't think you say no to Real Madrid. No. The only thing is, you, you don't know what's his mentality. True, is. true. Does it? Does he feel at home where he is? Do yeah, you yeah, yeah. Of course, it's not easy to go abroad, especially and, for English yeah. players. Uh, and true. he's left it quite late. But I, I think now's the time. Tottenham are going through a bad spell. Now be the time yeah. to go. I yeah, you're right. And obviously. Talking about Real Madrid, it's now official. Jude Bellingham is a Real Madrid player or will be when the transfer window opens. 100 million euro transfer mm. fee, Robo plus around, I think it's 33 million, 20 million pounds, 30 million pounds in, uh, 30 million euros, sorry, in bonuses, depending on the trophies that he wins and the games he plays. Are you happy with this? Is this, is this a good move for, for him? And yes. Is, is it a good move from Real Madrid, for Real Madrid? Yeah. Uh, I went out to Germany to do a couple of Bundesliga games where he was playing for Dortmund just after Christmas. And I saw one of the best midfield performances I've seen for a long, long time. He was dominant, he was effective, he ran with the ball, he scored goals, he yeah. made goals. Forcing goals this season. I mean, he was outstanding. He didn't have uh, such a good end to the season, I think one or two niggling injuries, but I think he'll fit nicely into Real Madrid's side. You know, we're coming to the end of Modric and Kroos. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. I'm not sure, you, you might tell me more. Chuamani hasn't had a great end to the season. Started well, but yeah, yeah second and, and a half after the World And Camavinga, now people say he's had a good season. He's had a good season when he's played at left-back. I still think 
he has struggled in central midfield. I thought he would be better in midfield than he has been this season. Yeah, Because maybe. he still struggles for that little bit of awareness around him and he's been caught on the ball. But he's a, he compliments Bellingham. Bellingham's a forward runner. I yeah, think yeah. Camavinga will be a player that... Yeah, and Chouamini can, yeah, can sit a bit so well. If those three eventually be the three central midfield players for Real Madrid, it won't be a bad so setup. So Bellingham it? 19, yeah. Camavinga 20, yeah. Chouamini 23 and Valverde 24. So those four yeah. can potentially be there for the next yeah, 10 yeah. years. And what... I mean, an amazing amount of talent, whoever is the manager, to make them work together. As long as Camavinga doesn't, every time the left-back gets injured, have to go and play I know, left-back. I know, because I know. while but he's doing a good job there, yeah. it won't help his midfield play. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> now, Jules, we have a new twist in the Manche- Manchester United sale. Yeah, yeah every show, every show, Robo, yeah. we update you on what happens at United for that sale. And, and now this is, could be quite a significant one, because... Sheikh Yassim, who is obviously from Qatar, has made a brand new offer yesterday, 5.8 billion euros, plus another billion euros that he promised to invest within the club. So 5.8 is to buy off the 100% of the club from the Glazer, Mm. uh, and 1 billion to invest into refurbishing Old Trafford, the transfer window, you know, whatever you want to do with that money, you do, which, I mean, it's a huge offer. I don't even think that United are worth, they one of the biggest club in the world I don't think there was that it's a crazy offer for mm. me and also he said like but I give you my deadline if you haven't sold me the club by Friday and given me the green light then the deal is off I'm not you know this is not uh, I'm, I'm not in anymore which is obviously BS yeah. I think if they offer him the club and say yes to the sale on Sunday he will take it he's been watching succession hasn't he yeah that's what he's, that's exactly. What he's been watching. exactly exactly so interesting to follow again Robo another big transfer that has happened Today, as we record this on Thursday, Alexis McAllister joining Liverpool uh, for just over £35 million. Mm. Uh, it's really cheap to start with, yeah. such a fantastic player. Again, a bit of a similar question to my question to you about Bellingham. Is it a good move for him and is he a good signing for Liverpool? Yes, I think he's a good signing for Liverpool. You know, I always talk about the best midfield players being able to do everything. You know, I, I don't believe in an attacking midfield player and a defensive midfield player. If you're a midfield player, you're there in the middle of the park to do both sides of the game. Mm. And McAllister can do that. You know, if he, if he makes forward runs, he looks threatening. He can see a pass. He can score goals. You know, I'm sure he can score more goals if, yeah, he's, if yeah. he was playing for a, for, for a bigger club like Liverpool. He can do the defensive side of the game. He'll close people down. He'll track back. So I think it's a very good signing for Liverpool. And I think it's a good signing for him because his style of football, I think, is exactly what would be right for Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp wants dynamic players. He's a dynamic player. So I think it fits everybody. I think it's an amazing signing. I think it's an absolute bargain. He's 24 years old. And Liverpool's midfield needs rejuvenating. And I think they probably need another player or two easily. But you can see why they pulled out of the Bellingham race. If it ends up costing you 120 million, when you can get... Alec McAllister for 35 and then get yeah. another one, whether that's Caicedo, whether that's Manukone from Gladbach, I mean, wherever, whoever they want to go for, for half the price yeah. that you would have paid for just one Bellingham. And Bellingham is amazing. There's no doubt he's a different player to McAllister. But I think, yeah, that's really good business. But though. when you see him play for Brighton, when he's coming off to receive the ball, ah, so 10, 15 yards away from his centre-half, under pressure, and he'll play little balls around the corner or wriggle away. And then you see him later on making dynamic runs when Brighton want to change things they play him as a yeah. second centre forward at times so I saw, I saw I heard Lalana the other day saying that he's not the quickest he's not mm. the strongest obviously but he, he's so intelligent mm. and the intelligence sets him apart and he was saying that the World Cup Messi was looking for, my, for Alexis all mm. the time if Messi is looking for you you must be pretty good to be fair now uh, Rafael Guerrero is about to join Bayern as a free agent Jules are you on board with this one? So completely and you know what I, I mean I think it's a great signing mm. for, for Bayern mm. he can play in midfield as we saw with Dortmund yeah. this season at times I don't know if that means that they would sell Alfonso Davis, for example, or if there's a bit of competition between the two. Davis also has picked up injuries, mm. obviously, uh, recently. I just love Guerrero. I think mm. he's one of those players that maybe not a lot of people talk about much, yeah. maybe because he's a defender, but who's so good with the ball, especially going forward. Okay, defensively, maybe not. But for as a free agent, and he can't be on much money wage, no. in terms of wages anyway. He's, I'm, I'm surprised not many bigger clubs were after him. I think he was City was slightly interested, but Bayern were clearly big on him and went to get well, him. They just in. like taking Dortmund players, don't they? You know. Yeah, yeah, as well, of course, especially as free agents. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and and Dortmund replacing him with with Rami Benzebaini from Gladbach, who's yeah. a really really good left back slash mm. left centre back. Is 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 good? I think really good business from Bayern with Guerrero. Yeah. And for Dortmund with Ben Sebaini. Anyway, 
We know Manchester United are looking for a new centre-back, Robo, and they've got two names on the shortlist at the moment. The first one is Kim, who you know mm. and you've watched mm. with Napoli this season. The other one is Axel Disassi, the French international Monaco defender, yeah. who I think would love to go to, to Manchester United. Which one do you prefer if you could pick one of the two? Well, I haven't seen enough of Disassi to yeah. say, you know, when Fair you're enough. scouting players or looking at players, you need to see them a number of times yeah, yeah, to say, yeah, well, yeah. Well, there's, there's his, you know, you can see videos of them. But I've seen Kim a lot. Uh, so I'm going to go for him because I think he's had an, an amazing, outstanding season. Amazing season. You know, he had big sh- uh, shoes to fill. Yeah. Koulibaly was as, when he was playing for Napoli, not when he was playing for Chelsea. Yeah, when yeah. he was playing for Napoli, was one of the best centre-halves yeah. in Europe. And I thought losing him would be a real problem for Napoli. Kim came in and played on that left-hand side and has done a magnificent job. He's decent in the air. He's got good athleticism. Mm. He's OK on the ball. Um, good pace. He reads, he's got yeah. good pace. He reads danger. He looks to be an outstanding defender. Yeah. So I think that would be a, a very good signing. I agree. I agree with you completely. Karim Benzema. Oh. You don't like Karim Benzema? No, I love Karim Benzema. It's just, nah, he's not in you Europe don't, you, Now he's not at Real Madrid. You, you can't it's further for me to go and see him than he used to be when he was in Madrid. That's all I'm saying. It's Karim Benzema, I'll start again, is officially an Al Ittihad player. And he also has a new teammate there, Jules. Yeah, so Kareem the Dream, of course. I still have to say the, uh, the catchphrase. Uh, officially unveiled as an Al-Hitiyad uh, player in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we mentioned it a lot on Monday show, so we're not going to go back again. As much as I'm sad mm. for him to go, of course. But very happy for him to, to have this new chapter in his career, of course, my brother. And then there's N'Golo Conte. So this is where we stand, Robo. Some of Conte's people are telling me that it's not done yet, mm. that he hasn't agreed to anything, that he hasn't signed anything, that even the medicals, has, he hasn't passed the medical, he hasn't done the medicals. But the club are saying to everybody that wants to listen that it's a done deal, uh, that Conte will come to Ali Tihad with to team up with Karim Benzema. So Two I of guess, the best players in the world in their positions. Yeah, when, when fit. When fit, when fit, of course, yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure where I stand because I'm telling you what the two sides are saying. I, the thing with Karim, Karim was never going to play for France ever again. Conte is 32 years old. The, discu- the last discussion he had with Didier Deschamps, Deschamps said, listen, if you, if you go back to full fitness and you play and you play and you, I, I suspect you play mm. in Europe, not in Saudi Arabia, then you could be in for the Euros in Germany next summer, so summer 2024. If Conte goes now to Al Ittihad, there's no more no. Euros anymore. There's no. no national team. There's no. This, this is over. This is finished. So I, I, I don't know. I'm a bit skeptical. Let's see what happens. But at some point, we will know the truth. I still think that Conte at 32, if he can really stay fit, still got has to more to give in in, Euro, yeah. in one of the big five leagues in Europe, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I don't know. We'll see. Robo, it's been a really frustrating season for Tammy Abraham uh, and it got worse just before the end of the season, of course, when he got that really bad injury, did his SEL and he got his knee surgery successfully done in London on Wednesday. Yeah, it has been frustrating and he's a frustrating player, Tammy Abraham, to a certain degree because I look at him and think, you've got everything almost. Mm. You know, when you're bright and alert and you're making the right runs, you're quick... Uh, you're, you're agile, strong, yeah. you're strong, you've got good technique. There's something that hasn't quite clicked week in, week out. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a bad news for him with his injury because it's going to take him uh, six, seven months to, to recover, I'd imagine, before he's back playing to anywhere near his best. Um, I'd have loved to have seen him come back to England at some point, but uh, obviously that's going to take a little while now. Yeah, yeah long, long time on the, on the spell, yeah. on the sp- on the treatment table, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I, you know, I, I wish I'm him well. I wish him yeah, well because definitely. he has got so much talent. Yeah, Jules. Now that Dortmund have let Bellingham go, who will they replace him with? So now I'm really excited with this one, yeah. Robo, because they've started talking to Ajax for Edson Alvarez, the uh, yeah. the Mexican midfielder who can play, I think, in different positions too, because I think he's very versatile. And I just like that. I just like that you can lose someone like Bellingham of his quality and already have someone in mind that you know can step up. And I think Alvarez is no doubt is a very, very talented kid that could come in, that you've got that idea in place, that plan in place, that you can move very quickly, swiftly. Mm -hmm. I would expect this deal to be done. I mean, a lot of things can happen, of course. But I would expect that to be to be done, and and then I'd be excited to see what Alvarez can do mm. in the Bundesliga because 
I think he did great in, in the Eredivisie for many years. Now he needs, he needs to move on mm. to go to something bigger and better. So I'm really keen on that one. I'm really happy with this, with this move if, if it happens for Dortmund. So a couple of good buys for Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Sebaini. But again, you see those clubs who are well run, yeah. who have plans in place. You lose a Guerrero who's a key player, Bellingham key player. Straight away you come back, Ben Sebaini, Alvarez. And you've got players who you would expect, can come up and do a really good job, maybe mm. as good as the other two yeah, that yeah. you just saw. You know, it's, good management. It's exactly. Robo Juventus have announced that they have officially quit the Super League project. It's not really that surprising considering the new board came in and clearly this was an Andrea Agnelli uh, mm. previous board idea. Mm. Yeah, so they're probably going against what the previous board wanted. Yeah. They're trying to. Nothing was. There was nothing wrong with it in terms of. There was no dodgy deal. But they're just trying to clean up the club. They're trying to make yeah. sure that everything get everybody on side. We're not trying to con the fans or anything like that. We want everybody on side. Juventus is going to be a properly run club. We're concentrating on Serie A and the, the Champions League. We want to do as well as we possibly can mm. now. Not surprising. No, so I, I fully understand what they're doing. I agree with you. Uh, now, Jules, Ukraine have appointed a new national team uh, head coach, and it's Sergei Rebrov. Yeah, remember him, the oh, Dynamo yeah. Kiev striker. Of course, him and Shevchenko. Shevchenko with a, with a, yeah, he never quite did it when he came to Tottenham. No, he, he went he, to Spurs exactly. He didn't really happen. He was a coach at Al Hain, uh, where he stayed two seasons, mm-hmm. a bit up and down, uh, and he was sacked, I think, last week, and he's coming in to replace Ruslan Rotan, the former Ukraine manager. So basically, mm-hmm. in a few years, we've had Shevchenko as a Ukraine yeah. head coach, and now Rebrov. And you know what, I like, I still remember when Maradona was the Argentina head coach. Yeah. And he, didn't do, he didn't do great, but I remember covering the game when they came to play in Marseille against France in a yeah, friendly. Yeah. And just to see such a legend on the bench, on the touchline like that, was just amazing. And, and I just love, I know it doesn't always work and not all former great players become great coaches. I get that. There's something I like. Do you see what I mean? I yeah, like yeah, about yeah, a yeah. former great player yeah. for Ukraine and in his country to now become the national team. A bit manager. like Thierry Henry when he was manager of one of the uh, <laughs> Liga sides. Yeah, he although did that didn't. Well there, did he? Yeah, but if Thierry comes back and become the France head coach one day or Patrick Vieira, I would love it. Good. There's something I like about you as a former legend player for and your country. They, they come from come Arsenal, on. so they, yeah, yeah, that's of it course. All, and it? you know they're my boys, so it's always very special. Brazil are still hoping that they can get Carlo Ancelotti to become their uh, head coach, next head coach, and replace Chichi. And Nano Rodriguez, the head of the Brazilian FA, uh, is planning, I mean, or at least making plans, uh, when he comes to Europe, where Brazil will play the, the two friendly games at, in June, to meet with uh, Ferrantino Perez first and Carlo Ancelotti as well, to see what could happen. Do you think Carlo would be a good fit for Brazil? And he's got one year left on his contract at Real Madrid. Do you think maybe, as we said earlier, it's a transition period for Real Madrid? Could they start with a new manager? And is it maybe the good time for Carlo to leave? I would say so. I watched the last, I watched a lot of Real Madrid this season, and as the season wore on, you just got the sense that maybe he was thinking his time was up. Yeah, you know, I've gone as far as I can with the players. I've done a really good job for a, yeah, you know, yeah. a, a year and a half. They had a settled style of play. I now can't really develop that any further. The players that I was developing are where they are and, mm. and, and it might be time for me to go because I'm not sure I can do it again with the new bunch of players. So I think it would be good for the Brazilian national team. It would yeah. be good for Carlo Ancelotti. He's a sort of manager that if you've got good players, he will just keep them calm and put them in a certain shape. Yeah, he's such a man-manager. He's a man-manager. Remember when he was at Bayern Munich, they didn't like his tactical approach. Yeah, uh, and he was too chilled. He, he was too chilled and yeah. we didn't do enough tactical work. We didn't do enough of this and do that. At Brazil, I don't think they want that much tactical yeah. work. They're very good players who yeah. want to be man-managed. I'm with and, you and, and, and he could do that. Now, Paolo Mandini, a great, Club yeah. legend at Milan. Of course. He's just been sacked. Yeah. What's going on? I know. He was the sporting director there since 2019. I think he had to wait a long time, by the mm. way, to, to be mm. kind of uh, welcome back into the club with a proper, you know, proper job. And, and it's one of... It's, it's one of those modern football tales, Robbo, in a way that... But they won the title a couple of years ago. Yeah, of course. Or and last, he did a, he did a really good season, job. Yeah. For most of his time, I, I think as a sporting director or technical director he was, uh, in recruitment, not so much maybe last summer, the likes of Origi, De Keteler, even yeah. Chao, Vranks, haven't really worked out. But before that, some really good signing, Mignon, of course, Rafael Leao, Brahim Diaz, all of that. The problem is that now I think Maldini feels that the ownership, the Redbird group, mm. 
have to invest more money for Milan to go to the next level, yeah. to go to the semi-final of the Champions League every season mm. or to compete for the league every season, blah, blah, blah. Where Redbird are saying, hang on a minute, that's not what we do here. We work with data, we work with you know, signing on kind of a lower yeah, budget, yeah, yeah. So 30, 40 million, maybe maximum, no more than that. So they were just not aligned in terms of the idea. And Jerry Cardinale, who is the owner of Red Bull and the owner of AC Milan, was like, you know what, if we're not on the same page, then thank you very much. Same page as the manager as well? or I think for Pioli it's a little bit different because it will always be dependent on the strategy mm. from the ownership and I think it was very good to go along with that in previous seasons. So I don't mm. think that has changed. But for Maldini, I can understand the frustration and I just think it's still a, a, it's still a club legend. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you don't treat club legends like that. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. José Luis Mendilibar, who did a really good job at Sevilla after taking over from Jorge Sampaoli, has had his contract extended, Robo. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one year. They were not very generous. They just no. said, okay, you did, a, you did a good job. Here you go, one year. I was like, okay, he won the Europa League with them. Yeah. He kept them up yeah. quite convincingly. When they think? were near the bottom. And exactly, when it was a mm. disaster under Sampaoli. Do you think it's a bit harsh just to give him another year, just one year? Yes, but I suppose we've seen it in the past where a manager comes in, caretaker manager. I mean, I know he wasn't a caretaker. Yeah, but yeah, 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 but they come in and they do a good job, and the next year they fail. Yeah, because they they, what what happens is they did a good job because the previous managers weren't liked by the players, and a new manager comes in. so So rather than maybe his tactical understanding and all the stuff, all the good coaching, and maybe all that sort of stuff, it was more that the players were happier that they got somebody that. You know, yeah. quite like so, like the new manager bounce, that, yeah, man- yeah, yeah, and, that, that's and that's probably what they're thinking of. Is it a new manager bounce, yeah. or is it that he is such a good coach? His record would say that he's he's a, a decent coach without being a top class coach, and that's probably why they've only given him an, another. Yeah. But that's it's a good experience. You've convinced it's, me. It's, it's it's I suppose harsh when you've yeah like, as a reward. You can, you, think, you can always you can always sack them after you yeah, yeah, just yeah. pay them up. Yeah, can't you? So enough. it's not that's you know it's not the end of the world. Now this is it, Jules. Christoph Gattin has been sacked by PSG. Gattin. No more Marseille guy at my club anymore. No. Um, we, we, ex- we knew. I've never thought you'd celebrate somebody being sacked. <laughs> right. It's a Marseille guy. Listen, I don't wish him badly. I like the guy. He started well. The, 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 the pre-World Cup campaign, mm. if you want, was quite good. There was some good football, although in the Champions League, finishing second yeah. to the Benfica. As good as the Benfica team was, it was a bit disappointing. The second half was a disaster. 2023 has been a disaster. I think it's nine defeats. They lost the other day to Clermont. They were, no, they didn't just lose. They were outplayed. Mm. My, like, my PSG mm. team was outplayed at the Parc des Princes by Clermont Foot. Like Gab said, it's a part of your yeah, yeah. body. Um, it's, so I, I'm glad he's going. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann is the priority right now to take over. It's not done yet, but they're talking. I would, I would like Nagelsmann. I would want to see what he does there in a, in a kind of difficult, mm. or a different environment to what he's known before. But yeah, I, I wanted the Marseille guy to go. And he's gone now. So hey, I'm happy. More than Ronald Koeman from oh, Barcelona. Oh my God, the Dutch guy. It's, it's all the same guys, you know, Dutch guys, Argentine guys with yeah. Pochettino, Marseille guy now. It's, you know, they, should, they were not good enough for my club. <laughs> Robo, the state of Rio de Janeiro in, in Brazil has passed a law called the Vinicius Junior Law yesterday, which allowed now the game in Brazil to be stopped when there's a case of racial abuse like we saw in Spain, mm-hmm. obviously, around Vinicius. This is, this is important, right? Of course it is. You know, nobody wants to hear racial abuse at football games. Um, and if it's as it was against Vinicius Junior, uh, then the game has the right to be stopped. And it's, it's good that now we can move on from that. You just have to be careful. Where does the abuse stop? We mm. talk about racial abuse. You could talk about homophobic abuse. You could talk about someone shouting at me because I'm bald. You know, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. You, as you always had when you're playing football, that, that might upset some people. You might say that you're quite small. I don't know what the abuse would be. <laughs> do I, am I? Yeah, okay. what would be abu- abuse to you? But yeah, yeah. you have to be careful. Where do we stop? You know, yeah. it's good that this has been brought in. Yeah, it's good as well, and especially what Vinicius has gone through yeah. this season in Spain. Yeah, you know, I think is is the in the move in the right direction. Certainly. Now, Jules, Luciano Spalletti got the visit of the Napoli Ultras, and it's a very interesting reason. It is, Robo, for the ones who follow Napoli, and if, for the ones who don't, mm. we will remind you, but a couple of years ago, when, when Spalletti was maybe not doing as well as some mm. of the Ultras wanted or expected, certainly not as well as this season, 
Well, the Fiat Panda that Luciano Spalletti was driving and owning disappeared. It was stolen from him. I think there was always a suspicion that he would the ultra of Napoli had mm. stolen the car and so they, they kind of threw a few hints there and there that it was them and when they turned up at the training run the other day they had a, a big box wrapped up as a gift and Spalletti was wondering what was inside you know and he opened it and inside was the steering wheel of the Fiat Panda that was stolen off him so what about if they had won the Champions League <laughs> would they give them the gear stick as well <laughs> or the whole car back yeah, oh, maybe, yeah. the Fiat Panda is here he took it really well he was laughing uh, I mean there was an up and down relationship for a long time between him and the Ultras even the Ultras in the club and now in the end with the title the first one in 33 years everything was everybody was loving each other again yeah. you know you can keep the steering well, wheel in the garage the or whatever I'm not sure what you do with the steering wheel you can't really put the steering wheel with your trophy oh, I think you could frame it couldn't you <laughs> say this is what was taken from you know <laughs> that's great well Luciano if you're listening or watching that's what you can do with your with your steering wheel and well done for the Napoli Ultras to, to bring him back as yeah. well that was, that was really good to finish the season for them Robo thank you so much always a pleasure what a great show enjoy the Champions League final that's on Saturday enjoy your weekend as well I hope that you all uh, love the show watching it and listening to it we'll be back of course on Monday with Gab both back from Istanbul to review the Champions League final and by the time by then we will know who is the new European champion and if City have done the treble or if Inter have done their mini treble the 10th team to do it the 10th team to do it exactly the second English team so until then enjoy the end of your week enjoy your weekend enjoy the Champions League final and as Gab always says love yourself love your neighbour and love the game or something like that